Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 209 of the Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. Do you ever feel possessed with food? I know that's a really, really bold word, but I have a letter from someone who says her father sometimes feels possessed when he eats certain foods. And it gets a little bit more complicated as family dynamics do, right? Because we can be walking our own path, our own food peace journey, and trying to make peace with food and experimenting with unconditional permission to eat. Yet it can feel so much more strenuous, strained, and difficult watching someone else in our life that we really, really love eat in a certain way or behave in a certain way around food and movement It may be harder to take a step back and see the big picture. It may be easier for us to do that for like friends or people we're not that close to, but there's something about family members, maybe parents, siblings, partners, that's just, it's harder to do that. And the letter I have today is sort of different because it's from someone who is trying to make peace with food, but then witnessing her father struggle with health. And kind of matching food choices with that. And it gets really complicated. And I cannot wait to dive in. But before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. Hey, Love Food listener. I so appreciate you. And over the last 209 episodes, because we're counting today, you have supported me and helped make this show grow and be wonderful and a resource that really has helped me to help more people which I'm so grateful for. And I want to make 2020 be the year that love food just gets even better. And I need your help. So I have put together a really quick survey. Honestly, it'll take maybe one minute to complete. Filling out the survey will help the show grow. It'll also help me make the episodes just centering on the nuance that you want to hear more about and what you want to hear less about. I really appreciate the feedback in advance. So if you have a moment, go to juliedillonrd.com slash survey and you'll get right to it. You can also reach it in the hyperlink in the show notes or again, just go to juliedillonrd.com slash survey. I'm gonna have it up through the month of March and then I'll close it down. So you, if you're listening to it in March, 2020, you still have time. So I appreciate it. Again, juliedillonrd.com slash survey. I have a new podcast suggestion for you. If you experience a sleep disorder, which I know many of you do, 
I have a podcast that may help you with that struggle to fall asleep at night. The podcast is called Sleep Whispers, and it's 100% gentle whispering. So if you like that ASM, ASRM, I can never say that, those initials. If you like ASRM, you will love this podcast. You'll hear bedtime stories, poems, guided relaxations, Wikipedia pages about different topics, even trivia questions, and even just rambling. And it's all done in this really light and calming, relaxing whisper. Anything that helps with sleep, I'm all behind. I know that I've struggled many times throughout my life with um, falling asleep. I have had times of having sleep anxiety or just times where I I fall asleep, but then I wake up in the middle of the night and can't fall back asleep. And this is a podcast that would have been really helpful. And I am going to keep it handy for the times when that happens again, because we know it will. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to check it out, it is called Sleep Whisters and just give it a try and let me know what you think. If it is helpful to you, please let me know. All right, enough of all of that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, I know you and I still have work to do, but I'm writing today to talk to you about your relationship with my dad. He knows so much about you, and he's tried so many diets and plans, but he just can't stick with eating in a healthy way. He's had a number of health problems related to his weight and diet and has to take about a dozen prescription pills a day to address his GI issues. He says he wants to change and wants to take better care of himself. But for years now, he and our family have watched helplessly as the motivation wanes after a week or two, disappears for months, and then shows back up full force. It's been exhausting for everyone to see this cycle over and over again. He even has the self-awareness to see what works for him, what doesn't, why he might be giving up, what psycho-emotional factors are at play, but all that self-reflection doesn't turn into action. And he knows that too. He even joked that he feels, quote, possessed when he binges on sugar and snacks, or that his brain and his tongue aren't communicating, and that, quote, it's time to go back on that plan again, end quote. He and the rest of us thought that after he had to be hospitalized for the GI issue, it would be enough motive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But he went back to old habits quickly. We've tried cooking together, affirmations, journaling, listing all the great things that will come with healthy eating. He's seen nutritionists and psychologists. He's tried meditating and going to the gym. But even with the support, motivation, experts, and healthcare professionals, he hasn't been able to make the changes and progress he wants. Now his first grandchild is on the way. We love him. We don't want to be intrusive. He's asked us for help but we feel powerless and defeated that we can't help. Food, is it time for him and us to work with a professional? How do we know where to start and what kind of specialist to look for? He hasn't been diagnosed with an eating disorder. Will he need a doctor referral? 
Will this be another expense and ray of hope that goes nowhere? He wants to heal, and we want to see him love himself as much as we love him. Love a Concerned Daughter Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your note. And I really appreciate this note because there are many people on their food peace journey, like yourself, who are worried about family members. And something that I know to be true is people who we may not be that close to in our life, it may be kind of easy to appreciate how the food peace journey is not linear and there needs to be lots of compassion and patience. But when it's our partners or someone really close to us, like a parent, it's harder to really sift through all the nuance and it can seem more concrete in black and white. And I wonder if that's what's happening for you, letter writer. And anyone listening who can relate to this letter, I wonder if you experience that too. Like lots of frustration or irritability when you see a family member eating in a certain way or not eating in a certain way, or not exercising, or exercising. You know, I guess it could be any of those. But I wonder if you feel that irritation or frustration, but you may not feel that with a coworker or someone you just know um, that's a friend or something. Because we um, are related to some people or they are our partners, sometimes it's harder to give that same kind of distance. And with that distance, I think, comes clarity. One thing's for certain, letter writer, I can tell from your note that you deeply care for your father. You love him so much that you don't want him to be in pain. You want him to have a great quality of life and you want him to live for a very long time. That's why we worry about food choices and health status for people in our families because we want them to be with us and to not be experiencing any kind of pain. So as I go through these next few minutes and give you some feedback, I hope you can keep that in mind, that I know that you deeply care for your father and you just want you just want what's best. And I think there could be some other ways to consider helping him. And first things first, I think it's important for us to really zero in on what you mean by healthy eating. Use that phrase a couple times in your letter. And when I hear healthy eating, I'm probably thinking something different than what you're thinking. And for you listener as well, you know, we probably have different definitions. And as someone who is an anti-diet dietitian who has been practicing intuitive eating for 20 years now, the way that I really am identifying what healthy eating is, is someone who has adequate access to food and access to enough variety of food and access to enough pleasurable food. Those are three things that are really important. And I know for most people, they think, oh, healthy eating means enough fruits and vegetables, maybe less of this, more of that. And I just don't think that's true. And the reason why is because when we look at things that really affect our health, the actual food choices themselves have such a small part of our health outcomes. What I'm what I'm really zeroing in on at this point is social determinants of health. I've covered it in podcasts before, but social determinants of health are really the meat of our health outcomes. About 75% of our health outcomes are not because of what we eat and how we move our body. It's genetics, and it's also how much power we have in the world. 
It may mean how much money we have, what kind of job we have. If we live in a body that is marginalized or oppressed, if we are living in a stressful place, maybe we live in a stressful part of the world, a not safe part of the world, those are all things that are going to make or break our health so much more than how many fruits and vegetables we're eating every day. And I know that can be kind of a buzzkill for some people, especially those of us uh, dietitians, because, you know, I went to school for about six years to do this job. And well, you know, telling someone how to eat really is not the most important thing that we could be doing to support someone's health. And really, when I talk about increasing access to food, when I think about healthy eating, I think about your father, letter writer, because um, I can't really appreciate if he has enough access to food because of financial means. For people, though, who don't have access to enough food because they are living in poverty or living paycheck to paycheck or both, you know, not having enough food around us calorically, it basically lets our body know that when we're around food to make sure you eat it all. You know, we're not going to be listening to hunger and fullness as much. Um, That's something that's pretty well established in the literature because when we are not around food often enough, our body is really going to want to take advantage of food when we can. And so it would be really silly if someone only has food right now at this meal and they're feeling full to just stop when they're full because they're not going to get another meal maybe for another couple of days. So of course you're going to eat past fullness. That just makes perfect sense to me. And I bet that's how so many people have survived on lower incomes. And so when someone has been financially stressed, they're going to experience this relationship with food. And what we also, those of us who are working in food behavior, what we're noticing is that people who are constantly around diet culture, which is honestly all of us, Um, unless you're lucky, but for everybody, myself included, we are always around diet culture. But if we're around diet culture, if we're pushed to diet, so those who are living in higher weight bodies, um, if you're in a higher weight body, you probably are told directly or indirectly that you need to be at a lower weight. And so performance eating is part of just survival too. And um, eating less in order to um, show that you're trying hard. I mean, that's something that's People have told me that they do all the time living in a higher weight body. And so when someone is expected to eat less because of diet culture or because you live in a household that dieting is what is normal eating, well, eating according to hunger and fullness is just not going to really flow. And instead, eating when the food is available and rapidly eating it and maybe eating it in a way that feels like you're possessed is going to happen. And for you, letter writer, I know you said your dad uses that word even, that he feels possessed, specifically when he's around higher sugar foods. And I mentioned earlier that healthy eating includes access to a variety of foods and also access to pleasurable foods and enough pleasurable foods. If we are not feeling satisfied and pleasure from food often enough, that drive to continue to eat will be there. Part of that is physiological. We have hormones that coordinate our hunger and fullness, hundreds of hormones actually that help with this. And part of the coordination of the meal experience is the ending point of satiety and pleasure. There's hormones that our body releases to make us feel that oomph, that ah, after eating. And if we don't get that enough, there's going to be kind of a, a drive, an obsession maybe, 
and a feeling of loss of control. And I, I kind of like to put bunny quotes around loss of control that I don't want to highly want to spend too much time on. But basically, eating is not meant to be controlled. Like we don't control our breathing really, unless we're thinking about it. We don't necessarily try to control our peeing. You know, if we have to go to the bathroom, we're not just going to pee whenever like a baby would. We're going to wait till we get to the bathroom. But, you know, we kind of just go when we need to go, hopefully unless you're a nurse or a teacher and having to hold it. But for everybody else, we go when we got to go. Same with breathing. We breathe when we, when we got to breathe. And food is supposed to be the same way. We're not supposed to control it. And when we do control it, it's going to feel out of control when these hundreds of hormones are trying to just do what they're supposed to do to help us know we have had enough food and feel that pleasure from eating. So when someone says they feel out of control with their food or feel possessed around food, certain foods, or even say they feel addicted to foods, I don't necessarily want to argue with them, but for you, the listener, I'll let you know, I wouldn't use that word to describe it. I know working with other people, when we help someone move to a place of unconditional permission to eat and have access to enough food, enough variety of food, and enough pleasure with food, that they no longer want to use that word addiction to describe their way of relating to food. So that makes me pause and just wonder what's going on at home in the discussion about food. Is there a, um, a constant kind of, dad, don't eat too much of that. You shouldn't have any more of that. Does he have to sneak food? And um, those are really important things to consider. And just know that People that I've worked with over the last 20 years have taught me that when someone else tries to control your food, it doesn't work and to change long-term behavior. It just makes more of a tug of war. And I know that's not what you want. All right. So moving on, I want to go to the next thing that caught my eye in your letter. It was about the word motivation. I think we live in a world where people think if we're controlling our intake, we must be motivated. And if we're not controlling our intake, that must mean we're not motivated. Even more so, I know that when someone has a heart attack or some serious life event, it often prompts people to change their eating. And we sometimes we'll hear about that, right? We'll hear about it in the news that someone um, had a heart attack and they drastically changed their life and they're um, applauded for running a, an ultra marathon or something like that. And we're just like, wow, that's so inspiring. We love being inspired. We love the heroes and these big drastic stories. But here's the thing. Those are anomalies. Those aren't the normal ways that we relate to food. I know in my experience, sitting with people on their food peace journey, and also the evidence supports this as well, that fear is not a great motivator. It's not a lasting motivator. Most of the time, two weeks is about as much umph it has. And maybe a really serious kind of change um, or not change, but a serious event sometimes can be a few more weeks than that. But really, it's not something that really is going to provoke long-term sustainable behavior change. And it also brings in the fold in my brain, thinking about motivation as it relates to fat phobia and diet culture. I think motivation is tied into lower weight. So someone who has successfully lost weight, it's because they're motivated. And I don't agree with that. So much of our weight is genetic and how much privilege we have in the world. It's not how motivated we are. It has nothing to do with willpower. 
for most people, fear as a way to prompt behavior change is just going to set them up for weight cycling. And because, letter writer, I know you care so deeply about your father and anyone listening who's also curious about the same thing, you know, really wanting to help a family member, something you need to keep in mind is weight cycling has a causal relationship with disease. That word causal is really important as we consider weight science because for most people, higher weight only has a correlational connection to health. You know, if you haven't taken Statistics 101, what you may not know is this kind of cheesy thing that everyone learns the first day in statistics class, that correlation does not equal causation. And I know that correlation can very easily be misinterpreted to mean hey, this causes that. But we need to be really careful when we're looking at nutrition and weight science to make sure we're not connecting dots that don't need to be connected yet. So we know that higher weight is associated or has a relationship with disease. But we don't know from research, we don't. We don't know for most people that higher weight is a cause for disease. And that may surprise you, but that is legitimately what we have so far from our research. There are very few people that has a causal relationship with their weight and disease. If you consider a bell curve, the people at the furthest standard deviations on either side of that bell curve are the only ones that have a connection with weight and disease in a causal manner. So people at very, very high weights and very, very low weights are the only ones. And people at very high weights, we still don't have a diet that works long-term to prevent further harm. So even if someone doesn't have a core uh, causal relationship with higher weight and disease, we still don't have a solution that's going to be without risk. And weight cycling has a causal relationship with disease. Weight cycling has been found to cause inflammation. Weight cycling also has a causal relationship with diabetes. So if we're wanting to care for our family members, I think it's really important to support an environment that doesn't provoke weight cycling. And it can be really easy when we really love someone and we really want to see their behaviors be health promoting because we don't ever want them to die. We want to see them eating fruits and vegetables or whatever it may be because we don't want them to leave us. But really, in the end, what that may be doing is provoking or causing more disease because it's promoting weight cycling. The other experience that is has a causal relationship with disease, of course, is weight stigma. And so you don't mention your father's weight, letter writer, but if you're listening and you have a similar family dynamic going on to this letter writer, if your family member also is at a higher weight expecting them to uh, diet or eat less or um, move a certain amount and treating them differently based on their size is a form of weight stigma. And weight stigma also has a causal relationship established in research with disease. So helping to eliminate weight cycling and helping to eliminate weight stigma especially at home where your family member lives is one of the greatest gifts that sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? But that's one of the greatest gifts we can give our family members. So as I'm wrapping up, I'm thinking about 
how can you actually support your family member? I think it's important to make sure that there's enough food at home and that there's enough variety and pleasurable food that the access is there. And I also think it's important for there to be communication, however your family communicates these things, that you love him no matter what. You love him no matter how many medications he has to take, no matter what his weight is, and no matter what his health status is. You love him no matter what. And I know you do, but I think it's important to communicate those things because especially if he is in a higher weight body, he's not getting that message. There's shame in our culture, of course, for those kinds of things. I know you also asked a letter writer about some technical things like, do I need a doctor's referral to see a dietitian? So we see a dietitian. I always, always recommend seeing a dietitian if you have access to one, especially a health at every size informed dietitian. I have a link in the show notes to finding an eating disorder and health at every size dietitian near you. Go through there. I'm hoping there's someone close to you or someone that you could see virtually. That's something that I think could really help you and your family to be able to make sure there is access to enough food and navigate this kind of complicated experience. And also, um, I don't know where you live. So, you know, if you live in the US, it almost doesn't matter either because it depends on what kind of insurance you have. But depending on where you live, you may need a doctor's referral. I have no idea. But, you know, if you're finding a dietitian near you, often they can kind of lead you through that. That's a really normal thing that I know I do with my clients. It's like, okay, let's figure out if you need a doctor's referral or not. And that just depends on what insurance you have and where you live. So, I do recommend you seeking those out. And lastly, because you brought up GI as a condition that the food is related to, working with a GI dietitian that really understands how to treat GI disorders, especially from an anti-diet perspective, is vital. I highly recommend Beth Rosen. She's been a guest on the Love Food Podcast before, and she's someone that is a wealth of knowledge on GI disorders and Um, doing some kind of experiments to see what type of foods are provoking the GI tract and which ones aren't, and doing it in a way that doesn't provoke disordered eating. And um, so I highly recommend Beth Rosen or someone else who may be a health at every size dietitian and also specializing in GI disorders. I will put links to her information in the show notes as well. All right. So I see that food is written back, but letter writer, thank you so much. And again, I know you love your father so very much. So I hope this discussion helps you just to make some decisions moving forward. Before we read Food's Letter, if you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you left a rating review, subscribed, or shared the episode. Doing any of those acts of kindness really helps the show grow. This episode was sponsored by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. If you experience PCOS, I have a course I made just for you. Check out all the details at PCOS and foodpeace.com. All right, enough of all that. Until next time, take care. Dear Concerned Daughter, we have been reconnecting, yet we see how stressed you are about your loved one. Your father is lucky to have a daughter who cares so much. We know you don't want to see him in pain and you want him to live forever. Love and concern may be provoking restriction and shame. Sometimes your father may appear motivated, yet know this is him punishing himself on a high to please everyone and perform. 
This doesn't lead to sustainable behaviors and only sets up for weight cycling. Let him know you love him no matter what. Intentionally serve enough food at meals with lots of flavors. Most of all, be sure to connect with him over these eating experiences. They will mean the most to him and bring him the joy that life is all about. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.